You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Boss Hogger Rudy Podcast. This is episode number 236 of East Antoine's favorite podcast. I'm Jeremiah Morrill. Today I'm joined by executive producer, video producer, audio engineer, Zach Burcham. But he's not the audio guy today. We've got Mason Roddinghouse uh, handling those duties. And uh, my forever co-host, Dakota Davis, is on my left. Dakota, I think you're at like episode 203 now or something. You're, you're, you're killing it. Today's episode features us, and we're going to be talking to Mr. Jeff Watterson. Jeff and his great achievement, but before we talk about his great achievement and before you find out what that was, we are going to be talking about the town of Greensburg in Indiana uh, wants to pay you to live there. I guess they're getting that desperate. Um, and then Jeremiah, I guess, at the end of the show is going to fill you in, give you an update on NASCAR, whatever that's about. Well, we, I last week, that last, l- week. last week we had a big thing and we've got to, we got to put a big bow tie on that story. So if you want to hear the update on that, make sure you stick around until the very end of the show. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh, but hopefully you'll always learn something new today. You're going to learn how to run through the Wisconsin wilderness and survive. I think that's our promise to you. <laughs> At least how one man did it. I'm not sure that anybody else in this room, maybe Zach, but or maybe Dakota, I don't know. Mason and I would be dead for sure. I know that. We'd be on the DNF list. Um, We just did a very fun 20 minutes of Patreon. We yeah. killed off a couple celebrities. We did. I had some un... Some people that I didn't like. I had an airing of the grievances over some people who thought I was crazy. You were like, these people are universally hated. And then you gave the first person on your list and we're all like, why? (laughs) (laughs) No, I had the, I had, I guess it was the universally loved. And then the ones that I was like, man, I'm over this person. Uh, so that was fun. I did mean to tell a story. We, the, the, the heat in here is, is on and it's fantastic. And it's thanks to the patrons who, uh, who make the uh, who make the show possible? If you're listening to us uh, later, because we can obviously time shift a podcast. It's uh, it's the first week of January, and it's like 12 degrees outside. Pipes are freezing all over the place. It's cold. Last night it was about 17, and it was the night I decided I was going to change the thermostat out in here. And it was it took me like two hours. It, it went okay, but not great. And it got so cold that the smoke detector started going off because I think it was cold and it was alerting me. And I thought, great, the batteries died in the smoke detector. So I'm trying to fix it, what, trying to fix the thermostat. And then the that smoke, one? yeah, it was, it was beeping nonstop all night. So I was like, we're going to come in tomorrow 
and the damn smoke detector is going to be going off. We're trying to do a show. So I tried yeah, those to. People are going to be really mad. I got a chair and I pulled it out and I was like, I'm going to unplug it. And it's a commercial building. I'm like, you can't unplug it. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, if it's battery, it's not the battery's low. If the damn thing's plugged in, I was, it was a whole thing. So I was like, well, this is going to be Dakota's project tomorrow. But then I came in and it was nice and warm in here and it's, yeah, uh, it's all good. So you being, I, this whole time, I thought you were complaining about the thermostat at your house. No, I noticed you were talking about the studio because no, I'm like, I didn't even hear why. Why is he replacing his furnace at his house? I didn't hear anything <laughs> was wrong with that. And so then, okay, now I understand why you wanted a smart one for here because you don't want to come. I don't want to come in here yeah. and turn it up. Yeah, okay, I understood that because I was I was giving you a hard time. I was like, oh, you'll have to go all the way back to 2010 when you just had to turn no, your thermostat. Like, up. That's why I told yeah. Dakota, I'm like, it will bankrupt us. Yeah, we can't the, keep it up all the, the time. The first year that we were in this <laughs> building, we did not have a smart thermostat, and the winter was rough. We were having like over $100 electric bills for this place that we use for a day a week, three hours <laughs> a, a week. Now it was, it was, they were really 200 because we were sharing it. It was, it was insane. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, was, it was in multiple hundreds, but we made it through. Thanks to the people at patreon.com slash boss hog of Liberty. You can go to boss hog of Liberty.com and find the sign up button. Uh, very easy there. You can sign up at any level that you want to pay us any amount of money per month. I think that Mason Rotting House is still on the list for like a dollar thirty a month. Uh, thanks, Mason. It's almost like Priceline.com with one of the other celebrities we mentioned, it's William true. Shatner. You name your own price. Yeah, yeah. You can. Uh, there are suggested tiers, but you can go in and and maneuver around yourself and pay whatever you feel comfortable with. Uh, you get access to a Facebook group. And you get access to a a uh, show that we do before the show every week. You uh, occasionally get gifts in the mail, like uh, the folks just got um, some lip balm, some custom Boss Hog of Liberty lip balm from the Beehive Body Company here uh, locally in Henry County. Uh, but if you sign up at $50 or more a month, then you get a shout out at the front of every episode. And those folks are Miss Christy Avery from all the way in Fort Wayne, our favorite car dealer, in the continental United States, Jonathan Phillips, and then the uh, man who's trucking down the highway once again after his truck got fixed, Mr. Anthony Meyer, also the the official meme supplier of Boss Hog of Liberty in the uh, super secret Facebook group. I was trying to uh, send Chris Galt, BHOL alum and founding father of the We Are Libertarians podcast network, uh, over mm-hmm. to John Phillips this week because uh, Chris needs to... Chris needs yeah, a new, but he never new, replied. New, he? I know, he just ignored me. Uh, he needs he needs a new car to sling uh, sling T Mobile phones out of. His I think his uh, his is too old. It graduated from the the T Mobile program. Yeah, that's 2015. It's got to be thrown so away like so a Sprint phone. It's just trash now. So old he can't even find tires in the right size for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the worst thing is that he just bought tires for the car, and he yeah. just and he just did a bunch of engine work, and then because he doesn't, he's not a forward looking individual. Two months later, he's they're like, yeah, you got to get rid of the car. I said, but it is the perfect time to sell a used car. Yeah, that's true. It's probably worth more than he paid for it. He'll be okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we t- I mean, we talked about a $100,000 excursion last week on the show. So We also have merchandise, and uh, Zach Bertram has put the link to all of that in the show notes, but you can go to BossHogLiberty.com and find those links as well. Uh, that's T-shirts, long-sleeve T-shirts. There's masks there still. There's a collar-changing heat-activated mug. That reveals our logo. And from those of you, for those of you north of 40, it's color changing. And there's also a, uh, I'm north of 40. And then there's also sweatshirts. Your dialect is from south of 40, my friend. 
I used to, I grew up north of 40. <laughs> that, those years in Dunreath got to you. All right. Not all of us are from uh, New York, Jeremiah. I, I, the first 10 years of my life were at the 45th parallel, and I learned how to uh, spell colors with a, with a U in the word. Colors. C-O-L-O-U-R-S. That's wrong. This is America. <laughs> <laughs> we speak American here. Speak American. English? No, American. we speak American. We speak American. All right. We spell things differently. So here's here's the fun little headline that Dakota decided is going to be the top of the show today, because why the hell not? I wanted to get it out of the way because I'm much more interested in what Jeff has to say than the other things that you wanted to talk about. <laughs> it's a, it's a, we're, we're an old married couple now at this point. Greensburg, Indiana will pay you to move there. Mm-hmm. Have you did you go to the website? Did you did you see did you see the story? I did. You shared a link to the Indianapolis Star, but I don't the read Indi- that liberal garbage. <laughs> so I it was a uh, it was uh, I think even blocked I, by a, a well, paywall. P- call time out Same. for a second. <laughs> the Indy Star actually has a revolt going on inside of its own building where their own staff members are are pissed off at them over parking. Where I think they were going to all walk out. So the uh, they could have picked a warmer time of year to walk. <laughs> Yeah, no joke. <laughs> the the website makemymove.com, which was founded by a guy named Bill Osterley, who I think helped start Angie List, and he was very I think he was Mitch Daniels' first campaign manager, so there's a lot of Indiana ties to this. Um this website, makemymove.com, has communities that will basically participate in giving you different incentives to move to their town. Greensburg is the uh, the one local local spot. And there's a whole pitch on the website, and you apply. They don't just do, give it to anybody, but you you basically apply to them. You have to re- reload to re- relocate to Greensburg within the next six to twelve months. You have to have a remote job that you can bring there, or be self-employed outside of Greensburg and be moving there. You have to be at least eighteen, and obviously you have to be able to work in the U.S. And the town has to approve you or select you. They're going to give you five thousand bucks cash, Zach. Must also be white. <laughs> <laughs> wow wow i must not have scrolled down far enough <laughs> jesus <laughs> we don't talk like that north of q oh no there's 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 more dunreath coming out in the conversation. god well we're done um they will give you co-working space a ymca membership and playhouse tickets which i think is their like their local plays uh, so it's a $7,000 value in the first year. Uh, the average high, uh, it, the high, the average high temperature is 86 degrees in Greensburg and the average low is 20. Well, that's below the average right now. <clears throat> and it, it, they, they also have some sort of a, uh, grandparents on demand. So if you're moving away from grandma and grandpa, they've got some people that will fill in, in the program and come to grandparents day and do the, uh, do the grandparents stuff. Yeah, but it's the, a babysitting. The, the article that I saw said that it was just like one couple. There's one couple that was like, i don't know if they were being quaint yeah <laughs> they probably like made a joke in a town council meeting and they're like all right we're we'll gonna put, put that, in. Down. Right that down gotcha. in newcastle it's mike and patty broyles are gonna have to- <laughs> <laughs> when aaron dickin listens to this and he puts this it was, the city passes fifty thousand dollars they can select uh 10 10 couples to come to newcastle it's mike mike and patty are gonna have their whole schedule full and they're just gonna be babysitting the uh the kids that they bring in so and they will give you a seat at the table they, uh, they say that you can join the community leaders of the organization's table for annual events, such as the Hospital Gala, the Annual Chamber of Commerce Dinner, the uh, the United Fund Annual Action Day. So you get to be a prominent member of the community immediately. Uh, 
What do you think? That sounds insane. I mean, it sounds it sounds desperate. Josh Marsh is the uh, the new mayor down there. He's a he's he's Mason's age, I think. He's a very young exennial of sorts. You know what I don't like about this is that there's eleven thousand people in that town, right? So as soon as you move in, you know it's going to be like a big deal, and everyone's going to know. Everyone's going to be like, oh. So you, oh yeah, you guys are the you're the ones that moved in here for the uh, the grant money and stuff. You're like, <laughs> yeah, we've invested in you. <laughs> yeah. My taxes went up last year, and they gave you five thousand dollars. <laughs> they even fixed my sidewalks. Come, come yeah, on exactly. my grass. I'm paying your, I'm paying <laughs> your exactly. salary. Complaints about potholes would come to you. You become like the punching bag, probably for people yeah. that want to gripe about being. They'd be like, Spur. I've been asking for a new trash toter for three years. Rating and they gave you $5,000? <laughs> no idea what their issues are in Greensburg, but we got toters, potholes. I wonder if they're doing storm sewer separation projects down there and have half the town torn up. Well, yeah, that's is that just, the town that's got the uh, Mike, tree growing? The tree going out? through the yeah, courthouse. Yeah, so yeah. Like, yes. Mike Broyles says limit one. He's only willing to <laughs> he's only willing to look after one, not all ten. Uh, Craig DeCosta wants to know what Dakota said about the they must also approve you. Yeah, so you submit an application. Yeah, that was Craig, the joke I was making. Craig can't just move uh, from from Hawaii to to Greensburg where the average low oh, is would twenty be degrees. A hilarious move. <laughs> move there. Move there, don't tell anyone, and then just start raising hell at a town council meeting. Where's my five thousand dollars? I want my YMCA membership. I was promised. They'll give you co working space. That's probably the best part of it. It's like if you work from home and it, this is this is happening at, in communities all over uh, all over the country. It's not just small town Greensburg or whatever. Where's my kids' grandparents? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Guess guess what other towns on here? Muncie. Muncie. Oh, yeah. Six grand. Muncie. Will they give you a condo in the jail? <laughs> <laughs> Muncie will give you $5,000 cash, co-working space at the Innovation Connector, access to the Ball State University Library, and a help desk for connecting local resources. Mm. And uh, they offer gigabit internet. And the median home value in Muncie is only $110,000. Where in, in uh, <clears throat> Greensburg, it was one hundred and eighty-five. Really? Yeah. I guess I don't, I don't see Greensburg that. has Hondas. Greensburg is well, yeah, they have Honda. Yeah, they have Honda. They they've got some bigger. Uh, turn your mic on, Mace. They've got some bigger. Uh, <laughs> I don't see that much of Greensburg. I pass by a lot. Like listen, drive by seventy four. If, if, if you got, I keep going, and then I drive past it, and then I turn left and go around it. So you haven't 80, been to the A and W. I mean, no. Eighty two hundred dollar offer from West good. Lafayette, yeah, or good. seven grand from Greensburg, six grand from Muncie. What did you say, Lafayette? West Lafayette, eighty. Okay, so here's what: two of these towns have colleges. Bloomington's got sixty six hundred. They'll they'll give you sixty six hundred to go to. Can't they just get some of the people to not move when they graduate? French Lick. Does French Lick really need that many? I feel like part of the appeal of French Lick is there's not that many people, but it's a good tourist. (laughs) It was good enough earlier. Uh, and listen, if you move to French Lick, they're going to give you a lifetime membership to the Lost River Market and Deli Grocery Co-op. 46 And a free people. round of golf. A, nice. I think most one, people will be like, round. can I get one trip to the market and a lifetime at the golf course? Four tickets to Paoli Peaks. <laughs> hey, hey. That's in the package. Isn't that the home, like the home 
slopes of an Olympic medalist. No, that's that's Lawrenceburg. I mean, French Lick is a really nice town, though. Yeah, it's beautiful there. How long do you have to be in each community before you can just bounce back and forth? (laughs) Well, that's been great, French Lick, but I'm moving the team to. Find out in like we're six going, years. We're Somebody, going to Muncie. Somebody's managed to collect like $25,000 and they're just <laughs> hopping from one town to the next. I feel like that'd be, that'd get expensive just in the movie the process. Buffalo, New York, which is Jacksonville by the lake, uh, $2,500. <laughs> that won't pay your snowplow bill for the year, yeah. probably. Honolulu. Dang. I bet that people, I bet Hawaii is kind of hard to get people to like move there because you're isolated from. If you have any family, you're isolated. Man, whenever we went to Hawaii, I immediately, like while I was there, was researching jobs that I could get there. You were already like, in my field. I was like, like, this is like literally paradise. Like it doesn't, there's no other place in the world that's better. There are places that I'm sure that are on the same level, but they don't get better. They just get the same. I was like, whatever I need to do to move here. But then I was like, man. Okay. That would also kind of suck. You're like you're you're a five hour flight from anything. Yeah. Here's no the offense. Uh, Hon- Honolulu Frank. offers twenty five hundred dollars in incentive, but it would cost you that to move your shit to Hawaii. Yeah, and that's not more. And when I when I was there, but they say you only have to live. You must work remotely and relocate for at least thirty days. So you could literally get paid twenty five hundred bucks <laughs> to, to go to Hawaii for, for a, a month, month <laughs> to work remotely for a month. This deal only requires a 30-day stay, but like, who's leaving Hawaii? That's their tagline. <laughs> nah, that's true. I had an extra Especially neighbor, I had a next door neighbor in Newcastle that moved from Hawaii. If you're there for a month, it would be hard to leave because I was only there for a week. And I was like, I don't want to go. I was, was there for beautiful. 10 days. It's so nice. It's I mean, it's, just, it's between 78 and 82 degrees with low humidity. And the sunsets when we were there were at dinner time. So it was like always a sunset. Yeah. And it's like, it rains, but it's like a drizzle. Like it's a short little drizzle and then a rainbow pops out and it's beautiful again. Green County, know. Indiana will pay you five grand. Jasper will give you 5,000 bucks. Nothing for Newcastle though. I guess we're doing fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't know where, they, are they getting this money from the, the American rescue plan, plan funds or whatever it is? Where's this, where's this coming from? Who know. knows? Are they just, I don't know if they can use it for that. I'm not sh- exactly sure, but I remember they discussed what they could or couldn't use that money for at a recent city council meeting. I don't think that they can just use it for like anything. All right. Here's the big one. The biggest one available is Southwest Michigan. $15,000 package, $10,000 towards a mortgage. They're They'll make it the 15000 if you go, uh, if you ha- enroll a kid in their public schools. So it could be $20,000, I guess. 90 miles from Chicago. Average house is 200 grand. You can't be a current Michigan resident. You have to be employed full-time remotely or a company outside of Michigan for a company outside of Michigan because they don't want to steal tax dollars from a Michigan company. You have to purchase a home in uh, Benton Harbor, St. Joseph, Royalton Township, yada, yada, yada. So basically just across from Michigan City, Indiana. You have to buy a house that costs at least $200,000. And once moved, you have to be considered a Michigan. You have to get a Michigan driver's license. So I don't know. Does that move the needle? Does fifteen thousand dollars make you start to think? Well, it's maybe. pretty close to the coast. Like, yeah, it's that's that is on. It's the Lake Michigan shoreline. That would be Benton so Harbor, nice. Silver Beach. 
You know, I looked at a job uh, maintaining a wind farm there a couple years ago that was paying a lot of money. I had really considered it like pretty hard, but you know, it was just, I didn't, you couldn't give I, up all I, this. I couldn't do it. I think Audrey was pregnant at the time whenever that job came up. And so it was like, eh, yeah, can't really do that. West but, Lafayette, five grand and $2,700 in living expenses plus a $500 gift. Like, here's five bucks. $575. It's a gift, though. It could be like a gift card or something. So. Go buy booze for 20-year-olds. <laughs> we'll give you a business. We're just going to buy out alcohol for the underage kids. <laughs> All right. I'm ready to talk to Jeff. All right. I don't know. Is there a town? Is there any of these towns that we're like, yes, we're going? Or we're like, I, I mean, South, Honolulu, Henry County is good enough. Southwest Michigan would be great in the summer. And then when the the word lake affects snow, that phrase popped back into the vocabulary in the fall would be a little rough. But I, I don't want to say that we live in the perfect place, but Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Kentucky have all had measurable snow. Michigan's had it. Fort Wayne's had it. Central Indiana? Nothing. We had flurries once. That's it. There's probably snow on the ground in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. 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 It's us or, or the, the Florida Keys. You, it, we're neck and neck. Yeah, so speaking about That Wisconsin, phrase has never, ever been said, ever. Right there, just us, side to side. Indiana and the Florida Keys. We're just... Not even I, Indiana. East Central Indiana. Isle, Isle of Gorda, uh, whatever the hell it is. It, Isles, what, what was the town? Oh, Isle... Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Isle of Gorda. Yeah, Isle of Gorda, Florida, or uh, Newcastle, Indiana. Mm-hmm. One in the same. Yeah. Cade was asking about the Sinclair dinosaur in Greensburg. It's back. It's back. It? Yeah, we've been yeah. talking was, about it for discussed. months. Yeah, the, it's just off camera, but we got the uh, we got the the Sinclair uh, uh, sign up. Uh, oh, Jeremiah's right got corner. a thing for gas stations. That's why we have the uh, Beaver see. Nuggets and Sinclair. I should have brought you something from Quick Trip, but I didn't know. I, I, like, I like the Quick Trip. I like I, man. I I love the Sinclair. I love I've got I've got a good relationship yeah. with Mr. Fuel. Oh yeah. <laughs> The only free dump station, station in the county. <laughs> free dump station. The only one available right now. <laughs> if you sorry, if you went to Summit Lake and camped there, it's the uh, dump station's closed. Moose out front, shut it all All right, Dakota, the baton is yours. All right, I wanted to talk. I'm super interested in this Wait. because I, I'm I just like hearing people's stories about achieving something that's like pretty incredible to do. Now this is I Jeff. Love- Woo, Waterson. Did yeah. we pronounce the woo? Yeah, you did. You pronounced woo. the woo. Yeah, woo. that's how you say that. Oh, that's, right. that's it, right there. Is that your real middle name? No, no, no. <laughs> that's a nickname I was given in uh, Talladega. That's another story for another time. <laughs> I was, I was wondering that. I was like, do I put that in the show notes? <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah, no. There's people that only call me woo, so it, it's fine. Okay. But you, you were in Wisconsin and you did this ultra marathon, and I, I don't know if I'm going to print. How about you just pronounce it? Tuscobia. Tuscobia. I would pronounce it right. Okay. I've I've had too many mishaps on the show where I mispronounce things and get made fun of. I didn't want to risk it. So you did the Tuscobia Is it near Winter Kukana? Ultra. Is it, excuse me? Is it near Kokana? Uh, I don't don't know for sure, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm just going to start showing off my ability to pronounce Wisconsin names. It's a 80-mile uh, or 160-mile ultra marathon. That's in Wisconsin. Yes, northern Wisconsin. Northern Wisconsin. Yes. yes. Basically Canada. It, yeah. And it's in, obviously, the middle of the freaking winter. Right, right. So The, the lakes are frozen. Yeah. E- yes, because I had to cross a lake for the first mile. So, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> we can get into that whenever. But yes, I had to cross a lake for the first mile of my race. So, 
Um, I, like what I was most at, of wanting to talk about was like um, the preparation for all of it. Right. Like, I, because I'm thinking I, I lift weights. I do like low intensity cardio stuff, but I'm not a runner or anything. I did track in high school, but I've pretty well sucked at it. Um, my wife did cross country, but anyway, I'm, I want to know, like, do you go into it? Are you thinking about like, as you're training, are you thinking about how much muscle mass you want to build for this race? How much body fat you want to have because you're going to be burning so many calories. Is it, are you thinking about those things as you're training and preparing? That, I mean, that's not a big concern of mine. Um, I'm a little guy already, so I wasn't trying to keep weight off by any means, but I mean, there was no concern of muscle mass. Um, basically, I went into it training like I would any other ultra marathon. Um, it's, it's mainly time on your feet. So, you know, with an ultra, you're not, I mean, you're not balls out running the whole time. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I just kind of went in with the same, like my longest training run was five hours for this one. So, you know, I knew I was going to be 20 to 24 hours running, but my longest training block was five hours of running that day. So, and it was all running, or did was there some cycling or some other um, at my event yeah. or for you for your for, for me? No, I, I I stuck straight with running. Um, I actually did a running streak for 2021. So I ran every day for at least I had a couple one mile days, but at least three miles every day. So <laughs> I didn't do any real cross training, you know, during that time. I feel like our own personal Cameron Haynes. Over here. Yeah, it was the running streak was uh, was a bit different. I I literally stopped Sunday. I got done running and I have not ran since. I wonder. That was one, that was one of the things I almost text Jeff. Was like, is the streak still alive? Because I was like, when I texted him about being on the show, it was like at nine o'clock. I didn't get a response. I'm like, he's either mad at me or something, or he might just be in bed. Yeah, I was asleep actually. I'd been asleep for two hours because I ate dinner and sat out on the couch. And the next thing I know, it was like. 11 p.m. and I had no idea where I was and that was on Tuesday evening so so yeah what Jeremiah mentioned was that for this ultra you can either run it you can do like cross-country skiing correct or you can bike it yeah and it's all different categories right mm -hmm. um, but one thing that I found out that was interesting on their website was that there's a always a huge number of people who drop out or quit before they make it and obviously, we're talking about an ultra marathon, which is like super athleticism. So, there's going like, to be injuries. This is and like things. when you try to sail around the world, and it's like, yep, yeah, four participants died. Yeah. Like, did, did they all make it home? <laughs> yeah. So, that was one of the things. Like, the race directors put a thing up after and you know, thanked everybody. We had a huge success. We didn't lose anybody, and nobody lost a finger. So, I mean, that yeah. was, I mean, that's what the race directors said. I mean, like, they, we count this year as a success. Nobody lost a digit. And everybody that started, we found them you know, when we finished, but there so. was, but there was a point though, like during the day, Jeff's wife was posting updates and she's like, Oh yeah, Jeff was done at this point, but it was like a rundown of what the, like how the finishing was looking. And at that point there were like 12 people that they just said were unaccounted for. <laughs> I've never been in a race before where they said that we have unaccounted for people. We're That's, still looking for survivors. So. Anytime you hear the word unaccounted for, there's a tragedy that's taken place. Like our, like a, like a building's collapsed, a tornado's come yeah. through, or something. It's never, you never just randomly have, like, oh, we had, like, you never hear the 8500. It's the 24 There's hours a day, Tona, and yeah. we don't know where, <laughs> yeah. we don't know where the 01 Ganassi car yeah. is at. It's up and seen in hours. Unaccounted for to people is never said in a normal event. Maybe the Dakar rally. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe that's the closest thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, at one point, the race director, um, it was probably midnight, 11 o'clock, and I was with a pack of two other people, and the race director was on a snowmobile, and and he stopped in front of us and walked up, asked how we were doing. We were all fine. He said, have you guys seen a biker in a ditch on the side <laughs> of the trail? And we're like, no, we haven't seen him. He was like, all right, I'll, I'll keep looking. So, I mean, like, the biker had called the, the DNF, and... They weren't for sure where he was at, you know. He, Do you have any sort of a transponder on you? I kept an inReach on me, but the race does not. So I use a Garmin inReach that that kind of keeps track of me. But I, the race director doesn't. The race doesn't require you to have one. So oh yeah, I so mean, yours was mainly like for your wife. And yeah, ma- mainly for my wife and anybody following home. Yeah, I follow, I mean, I was following along. And like every ten minutes, it would show where he was going. It was like fascinating to see the dots add up, add up, and just kept like you couldn't even quite orient your phone to get it all on the screen at a time. So, so it, how far did they travel? What, what's the route of this thing? So it's, it's on the, the Scobia state trail is actually a snowmobile trail or multi-use trail in the summertime. So I went from park falls, roughly park falls area to rice Lake. So, um, basically straight West of park falls to rice Lake, uh, kind of s- Southwest, I guess would be the way to go. I don't know if you're pulling up on the map, yeah, but we're efforting. Efforting yeah. now, so that Dakota and I have a have a clue. Yeah, so we actually started at Butternut Lake, which is a little bit north of Park Falls. But normally, it starts in Park Falls. They had some issues this year; they couldn't start in Park Falls. Um, so we started. This at Butternut. is an hour and a half by car right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, do, when you actually look at it, it it's kind of nuts. And I, Zach may be able to pull up my um, my Garmin, so you kind of see where it was. Oh, yeah, at. I could probably do it. I didn't know if, if, I didn't know if your Garmin was running the whole time. Dakota, if, yeah, you drive, only, uh, if you drive the Route 8 side, it's two hours and three minutes by car and 103 miles. But if you take Highway 48, it's only 84 miles and an hour and a half. That's crazy. And uh, only 47% of the contestants finished the race. Yeah, um, yeah. basically, I think that's... My wife sent it. I should have had it pulled up already, but... Um, my wife had it all. There's like a couple hundred people, right? Yeah, there was just under 200 people. Uh, see if I can find. One so we wife. think of Green Bay as being north. This is north of Green Bay. Yeah, this, this is actually northeast of Minneapolis by by a good little bit. Yeah. So my wife's got um, the the total race 167 starters. That's all three disciplines, um, both distances. Um, 89 people DNF'd, 78 people finished, and that's total. So in my race, the 80 mile race on foot. 57 started, 23 DNF, 34 finished. So, so a 60% finish rate for my race, but you're still talking, you know, 23 people started and didn't finish so, yeah, for whatever reason. So Zach pulled up your, uh, your results here and it shows your tracking and your, your speed and your pace. You started off really fast and then it looks like it was an absolute just grind in the second half because it all went blue. Yeah. So, so my, my, my plan was, and I didn't announce this to many people, but I, I wanted to go win this race. You know, I, I really felt like I was in shape and I thought I could go win this race. So my plan was to start hard and just see who was going to be there. You know, that was my goal was to pull out anybody that was going to come and race. Um, I didn't want to get at the end of the race and be like, man, I could have went harder in the beginning, yeah. you know, waiting. So I didn't really pace myself much at all. I mean, I went. So your strategy was burn everybody else and you're, you're being competitive. Yeah. I wanted to be competitive and, and it, it still worked in my favor to an extent, but the two guys that beat me, you know, I got third place overall. So the two guys that beat me still beat me by two and a half. Winner was two and a half hours. Second place was two hours. Um, we hung together for the first 20 miles 
And then I realized, hey, you know, they, they came to run too. So, yeah. you know, everybody's 100%. It's a little bit different, and mine wasn't quite what theirs was. So I kept them in sight for a while. But were, yeah. those, were those Canadians? Uh, no, they were actually, both of them were from Minnesota. So they're both Minnesotans. Yeah. So. so this is just the, it's like, this is their normal weather. Too. Yeah, yeah, this is, this, well, the, 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 the winter actually weather. trained. Yeah, the winter actually trained on the trail a couple times. So. Yeah, that's bullshit. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I'm not making excuses at we all. We haven't seen Snowfly we, yet. We haven't and seen you've Snow. You've got Westwood and they're, they've got well, the, the trail. And not yeah. only that, but if people, this race was like this weekend. So it was just a couple of days ago. Christmas here. It was 60 degrees. Right. Yeah. And then I know Jeff said, I want some snow because we'll probably get to it. He's, he's dragging a sled behind him to help make it easier on him. And when he gets up there, it's like 15 to 20 below zero. Yeah, like it was not, negative 21. Your in the lungs are the not ready yeah. for that. No. Yet. And not like that's not wind chill ambient. And so like Jeff experienced an 80 degree swing in temperature in like seven days. And then most of that was in like uh, whatever time it took him to drive up there because it wasn't that cold when you drove up there from here. No. I mean, what day What day did I run in the rain? Wednesday or Thursday of last week? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it, we, we, it rained. It rained all let's be honest, It rained all last week, right. so it's so, hard to tell. So I ran in the rain, 35-degree rain on Wednesday or Thursday, and then went up there and raced Saturday, and race start was negative 8 Temperature, not not wind chill. Temperature was negative. Ambient air temp. Yeah. So, so what are you wearing? Um, so at that point, I started the race in. Um, so I had a Murano wool um, three quarter base layer. This is the first time in the history of the show that Dakota's asked that question, and it's been appropriate. Been <laughs> 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 appropriate every time. <laughs> so, so I had uh, I had three quarter. Uh, Three quarter length base layer Murano wool. I had some Swix brand um, cross country ski tights on over that. Um, I then had a Patagonia R one hoodie, which is like a micro grid uh, fleece hoodie, um, and then okay. I had a puffy coat over that um, to start with, which was way too much. But it, you, know, you want to have it? I wanted to have it, but on the flip side, I, I didn't realize that I was going to get as hot as I. I yeah, mean, but I mean, you had a lot of good layers too. Yeah, I did, and that was my plan. As my plan was to finish in the R one, to start and to finish in that in that Patagonia hoodie um, as my base layer. So, it, it, I my, my mistake was the puffy coat that I had over top of it. I should have had a lightweight wind jacket. I use a Patagonia Houdini um, lightweight wind jacket, and if I would have started in that, I would have been better off. But I went out so hard that you know, I was sweating by mile three. So, how do you handle water if it's negative degrees at night? Mm-hmm. You're trying to have, you need to have fluids, right. obviously. How do you, is that in a cooler and it's staying warm? Are you pulling yes. that? How, how are you handling the, the survival side of this? So, so I would, I carried a 64 ounce, actually, um, Walmart brand, double insulated, double wall insulated, like a hydro flask, um, 64 ounce keg style of water. And then I had two hydro flasks actually in that cooler, uh, there, two hydro flasks full of water in that. I mainly drank, I never opened the hydro flask, the smaller 20 ounce ones. Um, I mainly drank out of the 64 ounce and then refilled it at the halfway mark. Now, the one thing about this race is it's self-sufficient. I mean, really, there's only one aid station. And, and Zach can attest that most races have multiple aid stations. Most ultra marathons have an aid station every two miles. This had one aid station at 35 miles from my race, so from the start of my race. 
and it's a trail, so it's not like you're rolling up to the QT and getting yourself a coffee and, and refilling waters. Correct. Um, and it's in, in trail. It's not like Westwood. If you've been out to Westwood, it's it's a wider trail. So so you may want to think it's like snowmobiles. Yeah, it's snowmobiles. So think um, the Greenway, but crushed gravel is, okay. is basically what it is. Cool. Um, now I did start. It did like I said. It did start on a lake. Which was fun because the race director said, hey, you got these two cones here and these two cones there. You have to stay in between those because ice fishermen use the outside of that. The bikers will just hump over, but runners may step in a hole. And he said, <laughs> and don't get too close to the island because the water's not all the way frozen yep. close to the island. So stay where the cones are. and Stay you know, on the ice road. Yeah, stay on the ice road and you'll be fine, which flipped my wife out just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. My wife looked at me when he said that in the pre-race and it's like are you serious? And she's like, did you see any spotted water? I was like, no, I, I stayed right where I was supposed to and headed right across. How much experience do you have so, running on ice? Um, none. <laughs> Zero. I mean, uh, the, the, the one thing that we don't run on, like Jeff and I run together sometimes. It's been a while because he went off and did this crazy stuff. But the only thing that we would like check in on Saturday morning, he'd be like, no, was ice. Right. Now, part of the reason is because we're running on roads and if you're on ice and you fall on concrete and there's a car coming, then you're going to hurt yourself a couple of different ways. So that's a little different than running up. Yeah, we don't generally – we generally stay away from things that, like, could crack and kill us. Yeah. yeah it, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it Dr- was just a little different being being Zach's, uh, Zach's biggest <laughs> kryptonite at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> couple. But yeah, the snow – there was snow on the ice, so it wasn't necessarily ice, but it was yeah, still it a little daunting to be on – on the lake, you know, when I knew that they haven't been that cold here recently either. I so. noticed on the website it said that none of the skiers actually finished. Yeah, the, so, the trail was bad for for there wasn't enough snow. That's what I was going to ask about the snow. Yeah, there really wasn't. They they got dumped. So leading up to the race preparation, I was scared there wouldn't be enough snow to pull the sled. So I had actually planned three weeks ago what I was going to do if I couldn't pull my sled. You know, what backpack I was going to use, what gear I was going to take, what you know what I could live with and what I couldn't live with on my back. So, cause I was afraid they weren't going to have snow. They got dumped on like 10 to 12, 15 inches, like in the last week and a half. So it doesn't take long to build up enough snow for us to pull a sled. Yeah. But for the skiers, it was just not good snow. Um, what is your concern? Like you were just talking about your water and stuff. Uh, made me think about like, is there a concern going into the race? Cause you said you only trained at the most five hours. Mm-hmm. Is there a big concern about like rhabdo? Um, so explain to me what rhabdo is exactly. So apparently, it wasn't a concern. Would be like the uh, rhabdo would be if you like super overwork your muscles. Mm-hmm. If you do like a really hard training, then uh, your body can start breaking down muscle tissue, and uh, basically it breaks it down. And you start peeing it out. You'll pee out like looks like Pepsi. So, so basically, on a training block like that, I said, you know, I, I'm glad we had him on here after the race, not before the race. Right, exactly. Yeah. I'm a little worried that <laughs> I didn't scaring know him doing. about shit that he didn't know he had to be afraid of. So, so yes, my longest run was five hours, but with 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 running, it, you know that that accumulated to a, I think it was an 80 mile week total that week. So so with okay. running, you kind of build those muscles differently, where you don't go out and run for 22 hours. I ran five hours one day and then turned around and ran two hours the next day. So you're not really, it's not the same effect. I guess I've never heard of people like runners getting it, but I know it's like, it's kind of common in people who are new to CrossFit Mm -hmm. and get like, go too hard. Yeah. And I've heard about it in CrossFit. I just didn't realize, you know, what it was, but, um, 
it's not, I worked my body, you know, my training block was 50, 60, 70 mile weeks consistently since. So I did a big race in September. I took a little bit, a couple down weeks, like 30 mile weeks. Um, and then just built <laughs> and then just built back up from there. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily the one run, the one five hour run that builds you. It's the two hour run right. the day it's before. It's an overtime yeah, building, or, you know, like everything yeah. it's progressively overloading yeah right so how, the how's the community of people because i i'd imagine that you have to be it, it's amazing it's that's small so, club. yeah it really is so so you break down ultra the ultra running community the, you know the running community is huge so you break that down into trail runner community which is a big community then you break that down in the ultra runners and then and then you have winter ultra runners and it's your family everybody there you know, the race director knew me by name when I walked in. Um, it, it's just amazing, the community. Are you the only one from Indiana to roll in? Oh, man, I can't. I looked at the list, and I was thinking there was somebody else, but there wasn't anybody that I knew. The Kenyans don't dominate this. The Kenyans do not dominate yeah. this at all. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's it's just it's, regular. You're going against hockey guys. Yeah, you're going against regular. I mean, it's you're just going against regular people. I mean, you know, my wife and kids were out there. It wasn't. There's not. There's not sponsored athletes out there. I mean, that's not, this is not the race for that. It's just a good community. The race director, I talked to the wife, his wife, they're both the co-race directors. And I said something about it being a race. And she, she kind of corrected me and said an event because it's not, you know, it's, it's more about the community. I think it started as a, Hey, let's walk to park falls and stop at a couple of the bars on the way and see how that fast we can do Wisconsin. it. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of how it started. So that's kind of, kind of why I wanted to bring up the failure rate is because it's like, it doesn't feel like it's so much about the winning whenever you're looking at the website and stuff. It's like more about like, wow, you did this incredible thing that there's not going to be very many people to ever say they did it. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff sat down and was like, I finished third and you wanted to win. And I was I, I'm a huge race fan, right? Motorsports, and it doesn't matter. The competition side of actually, like, where you placed didn't even occur to me. It's literally just ticking yes. the box of, yes, you completed it. And, and that That's, was the hardest thing was with the with the wanting to win it. It's like you, you kind of just – you have this, this feeling of, I just want to go complete it. But on the yeah. flip side, it's like – I do want to be the first person to, to shoot your shot. sport. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. It's my sport. It's I've trained really hard to get there. And, and uh, kudos to the two guys that, you know, first and second place, I ran with those guys for 20 miles and they're both great guys. You know, they, every time, every time we didn't hang together, you know, they'd be like, Hey, you doing okay. Do you need anything? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, we worked together there for 20 miles and they just pulled ahead. I mean, and there's no ill feelings at all. If, if I would have beat them, it would have just been the exact same. I mean, no. So, so in your class, how many finished? So uh, I think she said there was 34 finished is what my wife figured up. So um, out of 57 start, 20, something like that, 34 finished. So it, it's re- it's it was just really cool. And I finished right behind, right in front of um, the first place female. And I chased her down for 16 miles. I mean, it was crazy because you can see forever on the trail. And we all have red blinky lights. And I chased her blinky light for 16 miles just to get, you know, just to chase her down. And I felt bad, you know, running past her. But I was like, you know, I've worked hard. I've yeah, worked really, yeah. really hard. And the so, bronze medal was a 12-pack of, uh, of, of New Glarus spotted cow. Yeah. Well, so actually the winner, so, so I got a – I should have brought it. I, in first, second, and third, they get a puck, a wooden puck that says first, second, or third has the race. The winner gets a jar of the race director's dad's honey – and some hot sauce. 
and you get a fifty dollar running gift certificate from a local running store. So my I got fifteen dollar gift card for <laughs> no honey, no hot sauce. But, but I mean, I could have purchased. I could have purchased some honey from. I'm going to be honest. I think that makes you a professional now. I, I, it does. Yes. You've received compensation, which I, I may have. I may have made more at the, at the Chris Kringle. Oh, you probably did. I think I made more. <laughs> we, have, we have a very miler. we have a very lucrative race here in, around Christmas, uh, held by the the Knights of Pythias organization over Memorial Park, and yeah. They, I think that race pays like is it fifty bucks in winners? 50, fifty for the winner. So. Yeah, and it's like that's it's a, four that's miles in Memorial Park. Yeah. yeah, it's obnoxious for Newcastle. So yeah, so yeah, it's. So yeah. this wasn't your first ultra. No, this was not. Um, this is actually not my first time doing this race. I did it two years oh, ago. Okay, um, did it two years ago in thirty degree weather and rain. So I finished in twenty two hours and forty five minutes. Last you time. have to carry a backpack. Then um, it, it was snowing. It, there was enough snow on the ground that I could pull the sled, okay. but it was like mashed potato. I mean, a picture running on sand, but it was snow. Mm, um, that sucks. Yeah, it rained for 20 hours at that race. The video, you you were covered in ice. Yeah. I, I did see you were picking ice out of your beard. Yes, yes. So um, until I put something on my face, my beard was just completely frozen. And I had, and then finally at that point, I, I was worried that my cheeks and my nose were going to get frostbit. So I put a buff over my my cheeks and nose um but still had just, they didn't make you run in a covid mask no no well <laughs> we were supposed to uh we were supposed to cover up when we went in any building in the aid stations and in it was you know wisconsin laws so they they had to abide but anytime we were inside we were supposed to cover our face so my face was covered i actually walked in one building um at the 60 mile mark and the lady told me to take my mask off and all i had on was the buff that covered my nose and then She's like, oh, you didn't have a mask. That's your beard. I'm like, yes, my, my beard is frozen. It is completely and totally frozen. That's so, hilarious. Yeah, it was crazy. It got, it got in the way a little bit. I finally put a buff on to cover up this part of it. And So is the 80 mile, is that the is that the longest ultra that you've done? Uh, yes, actually it is. So I've done this race twice, and 80 is the longest I've done. Okay. I've done a couple 50Ks, a couple 50 milers. Um, I, I've adventure raced as well, so my longest actual event was 28 and a half hours um total but that was an adventure race includes um canoeing orienteering mountain biking that's cool yeah so and that was 28 it was a 30 hour race we finished in 28 and a half hours in southern kentucky so so what's the supply list look like you're gonna do this and obviously we talked about the coat and the way you dressed yourself but what do you what's your list of stuff you need so so two years ago when i did it they had a mandatory list that was a lot longer than what they had this year i think they've realized that the seasons have changed a little bit and it's not as cold and you know people are moving a lot faster um so two years ago you needed a zero degree sleeping bag a cold weather bivy an insulated um sleeping pad um you had to have um some other things so so then this year all you had to have was uh, blinky lights, three three red blinky lights, one for the front, two two for the back. You had to have a headlamp, and you had to have extra batteries for everything. That was the only mandatory equipment except for 10 square inches of reflective on the front and rear. Hmm. Um, so I went ahead because of the weather. Um, my wife was a little concerned because it was going to be 20 degrees. I went ahead and took my sleeping bag, my zero-degree sleeping bag, and my sleeping bivy, um, which a bivy is basically just a a small one person tent. I mean, yeah. Basically it's a survival tent. It's like a, it looks like a sarcophagus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Basically that's it. So it's basically just for, 
for lightweight um, survival situation. It breaks the wind for yeah, you. Yeah, basically. Um, and then a sleeping pad as well. So that was in one bag. That's I feel like was maybe a little overkill. Um, maybe I didn't need it. A lot of people, the first in place, second place, the guys didn't have theirs. Um, they felt they didn't need it, which is fine. Um, so then I had in a duffel bag, I brought um, three buffs, three extra hats, um, extra gloves. Um, then I had extra clothes. I had an extra big winter jacket, a ski jacket, um, an extra pair of ski winter pants that I ended up putting on. Um, I had another rain jacket just in case I needed a layer. Um, and then I had in the food bag, I had lots of different kinds of foods and not just energy, normal runner stuff. I had uh, ham and cheese, ham and Swiss roll ups. Uh, I had. Um, you said you had Oreos. Yeah. I had uh, white chocolate covered Oreos. Third place I had powered Snickers. by Oreo. Yeah. Nabisco. Thank you. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I had Snickers. I had uh, Clementine oranges. I caught, I brought some pepperonis for protein and salt. Um, just a wide variety of stuff. I, the biggest thing I ate was honey stinger waffles. They seemed to be the easiest to go. They were easy to put in my, my hip pack. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they, and they didn't freeze. I had some Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts, um, yeah. yeah <laughs> Pop-Tarts. I'm a big Pop-Tart fan. I eat Pop-Tarts every Me too. day. Yeah, so, I yeah, Pop-Tarts. I love Pop-Tarts. So I had Pop-Tarts. Uh, they were a little frozen. Um, I did have the biggest thing. I had Starlight. Those little Starlight mints like you get at Los Amigos. I had those shoved in my hip pack. Game changer. I mean, you pop one of those in and it's like a little burst new, of energy. Yeah, it's a whole new world. And your mouth kind of gets funky after you know, 20 hours of being <laughs> yeah. outside anyway. So um, those those were nice. Um, I did get some new big mitts, mittens. I uh, bought those just last week. Um, Gore-Tec REI mittens that were game changers on this race for me because I had some Murano wool liners and you couldn't take the mittens off for more than two minutes or your hands would freeze. So you'd have to shove the mittens back on. And I had hand warmers in the mittens. And just for people who don't know, the Murano wool is like a, it's all natural wool, but mm-hmm. it's does a really good job of like moisture yes. uh, reflection. It, would that be the right word? It basically, wicking. But yeah, wicking. Wicks yeah. away from you. Yeah. Moisture wicking. And even when the good thing about wool, opposite of cotton, when wool gets, when wool gets wet, it, it stays warm. It stays warm. So yeah. I dealt with that two years ago. I used those same Murano wool gloves, and they were soaked. I could wring them out, um, but they stayed warm. Right. So that's the good thing about Murano wool is when it does get wet, it still keeps your body warm. There's some hunting company that's figured out a synthetic way to do that. Oh, really? They're the first people to do it. And forget who was talking about it, but it was it's outrageously expensive. Oh, I, I looked it up imagine. at one point, and it was like, why are you asking $1,000 for a pants and jacket? Yeah. <laughs> so did anything go wrong? Uh, did it or did it all go to plan? Um, it's so wrong. I, I don't think I'd use that word, but I would change some things. I don't think anything went major wrong. I did shiver for two hours from mile 52 to 60. I mean, so some people would say that went wrong, but at that point, I knew I was close to a place that I could stop and put more clothes on, <clears throat> and stopping to put more clothes on was going to make me colder. So, I mean, anytime you stopped, you started getting cold. Yeah. Um, so, I didn't want to stop, get my pants out, go, put my pants on, go, put my jacket on. You know, I, I didn't want to take that time. And I knew I was relatively close to um, this uh, snowmobile uh, headquarters that they were had open that we could get into. So from mile 52-ish to mile 60, so a little over two hours, I was pretty shivering the whole time. Um, 
So, so I, you know, some people would say that was wrong, but I knew what I was doing and I knew I wasn't in danger. I knew I could stop and put clothes on. I just didn't want to take the time. At that point, I was in fourth place and I didn't want to lose any more places. It wasn't yeah. like I lost a glove or, you know, something, something like yeah. that, that, you know, it was like, oh shit, I needed that. No, no, it wasn't nothing. I mean, I lost my sunglasses in the first two miles, but I mean, I didn't really need them <laughs> in the first two miles anyway. So, you know, that was, that was it. I didn't lose anything major. Uh, my inReach did shut down at one point because it got cold. Um, it was right out in front and top. So the, so the, satellite could see it and it shut down at mile 50 ish or so which probably scared the hell out of everybody that was following well and that's what was my biggest concern i actually stopped and took care of that because i heard it i mean boop i heard it and i'm like oh crap and i watched it shut down so i immediately stopped um, got my cord out plugged it in and i struggled getting the the lid off the cord so i had to actually take all my gloves off at that point mm. so i'm trying to hurry you know, and because my wife's at that point, my wife was at the hotel yeah. and you got people at home watching. I'm like, she's, I don't want to be shut down in the middle of the night. You and know? She's, yeah. she's checking every hour. Yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah. She had alarm. She showed me her alarm that she had once, once she knew where I was at and knew I was kind of on, on pace. She set an alarm for every hour. And then when it got closer to the finish, she set it for every half hour and then every 15 minutes so that she could get up and make sure that she could get to me. Um, I know two years ago when I stopped at, um, this bobcat shelter at mile 60, she didn't know I had stopped. So she saw my, my in reach had stopped for 45 minutes there. Cause I had paused there for a while. Cause I needed a, I needed a break. So this time, as soon as I got there, I texted her, I said, Hey, I'm here. And in my loving wife, um, she said, get warm. I said, I, I'm here. I've been shivering. She said, get warm and get moving. So that's, <laughs> she doesn't give me any slack. <laughs> She's, get warm and get moving. So, so my thought, um, another thing that I was thinking about is I kind of go through my day to my day to day life. I'm always a little bit sore. Mm-hmm. Uh, ba- like that's just how I live. Right. So my thought was like during the prep for this, you are obviously prepping up. You're saying you have like eight, like these uh, huge mile weeks. Mm-hmm. How sore were you going into the race, or did you taper off your miles? So, so I did taper. I mean, you know, my taper still looked like a 45 mile week the week before. Um, I did taper. I'm kind of like you. I stay in a constant state of sore. It's just kind of. I mean, it's just part it's how of how it is. It's yeah. just how it is. You stay. I mean, I, I, I like that feeling that I know my legs are doing something. Yeah. You know, it's not painful. It's just a constant state of, Hey, I know my legs are there. So I went into this and I taper. I hate tapering. So my whole body just flips out when I taper. <laughs> Everything starts hurting. I feel like I'm going to die. You know, I'm, I'm jittery. I, I hate the week before a race. So I didn't go into it super sore, but more sore than I wanted to be. Wednesday, it's normally like Wednesday before I really feel horrible. And then Thursday, Friday, I start getting better. Um, so I did run a mile and a quarter the night before to keep the streak going. I ran out of time to get any more. So I got a mile and a quarter the night before. Um, I really went in like race day feeling fairly fresh. Felt like I, I knew what I was doing, you know. And that was, you know, that was my plan was to try to try to win. So I wanted to be ready to, to go out and do something. Are you, are you doing like recovery therapeutics leading up to the race? Like, are you doing anything like, like Theragun saunas, ice bath, anything? I, like I that? do. Um, so my big thing is Epsom salt baths. I, I, I mean, I've done it leading up to most of my big races and they're, sense. they're game changers for me. So I come home almost after every run and do a, 20 minute Epsom salt bath. I, I stay in there until I sweat and then I get out and I shower. 
And that really seems to help keep my legs fresh. Yeah, I've done the like isolation, the sensory deprivation tanks like probably half a dozen times. Mm -hmm. And that's all magnesium and salt and in high density. And it is pretty amazing. Like how my joints feel right. Getting out. It's, it's definitely is. Yeah. So I can go two days without one and and I can tell, and it's just like the next day I feel like a new person after an Epsom salt bath. Mm. And I know it does. I know it kind of sounds stupid, but it works for me. And, and I will do some, my wife's a physical therapist. So I do have some help from her, um, stretching some, stretching things out. I'm not a Theragun person. I don't roll out a lot. But, you know, I do keep on top of things if I know there's something, you know, there's something not right. Yeah, I like the rollers. Yeah. I have a little uh, yoga wheel, a six inch yoga wheel that I use, especially along my spine. Right. Like, especially like heavy deadlift days. Like I'll go over that thing the next day and it's like. <laughs> right. You feel big. Like, my, oh. my big thing is my feet. I have a ball I use for my feet because it's just like my feet ache a lot. Maybe like a, like a golf ball size? Yeah, like a um, like a lacrosse ball is the best size, but oh, okay. I have like a spiny ball that's made for that. And you just roll the arch of your feet on it. And that really that makes helps sense. me. Yeah, it, that really helps me. So what's next? Are there any more of these winter the races coming? Uh, yeah, I don't. So right now I'm kind of in limbo where I don't have anything. Um I hate the heat. So like, like Badwater 135 is just like not on my list. Mm. And, and I hate to even say this on air, but the only way I would do Moa or like Badwater 135 is just like if I were to do the Arrowhead 135, which is another winter ultra. So to say you've done both 135s, that would probably be the only way I could do uh, Badwater because I just hate heat. I mean, I just, I mean, Zach knows. I mean, I, in the summertime, I normally shut down. I ran more miles this summer because of my streak, but I'm just like June. I'm like, peace out. I'm done. I don't like running. So it, I like the winter stuff. Yeah. I hate doing physical activity in the heat. It's yeah. so gross. Yeah. It just, it is. <laughs> it's just nasty and you feel horrible and you just want to die. I mean, it, we did a marathon in September a couple of years Oh my ago. gosh. And wanted to die. Yeah. Good. Exactly. This is like the worst month for freaking marathon. Yeah. It was horrible. I mean, it was, they had brand new blacktop and they were proud of it and they ran us all <laughs> over brand new blacktop. I mean, they, they ran us on an airport. Yeah. Oh they ran us out by an airport and it was like, um, it was, I mean, beautiful Columbus, Indiana, which we saw none of. Right. We also, they, ran, they immediately ran us out of town. Right. And then we didn't come back into town until it was like 24 miles in. And they ran us onto an airport. And I, th- I didn't know where in the airport we were going. I was doing with the, I was running out towards an airfield. The Oaks Club is right there. And there was an airplane to the right. And I was like, if it was prop, if I was like, if they fire that thing up, I'll run into the blade. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go full Indiana Jones, go right into the blade. And then that, yeah, that race is horrible. Um, Jeff and I have suffered a couple times together. We have never a long distance, long, long. I mean, marathons, marathon. marathons, never but, long distance, only, the, a marathon. only a marathon. marathon. But like that race, there was a stretch coming out of the airport where there was a tree line and it was on the wrong side of the road. And like one of the things like he's talking about, like on the lake, I don't doubt he stayed in the lines because runners, one of the things you do is he called about, you run the, run the shortest Delta. So you run point to point. You try to take the straightest line and you sh- everybody should have been on the right. Cause we came from the right. We were going to the right, but there was this much shade on the left side of the road <laughs> so and everybody went to the left. I think Jeff on that race, there's somebody was spraying people down with hoses and Jeff's like hit me and they hit his legs and his legs just cramped up immediately. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> both cats dropped to the ground. Yeah. But well, yeah. I just went straight legged the whole time. And like I told the guys like, just hit me in the back, you know, kind of cool me down. And he, as soon as he hit me, both calves just cramped up. So I went straight legged and I'm like waddling for like a mile. It was horrible. 
horrible. So yeah. The, the, the last question I have to ask is they're gonna, the, the the listeners are in the cars wanting to know twenty some miles of running bathroom wherever you need it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, not to get personal, but I didn't have to go number two. So, but when you're out on the trail, number one, just kind of wherever you got to go. The race director says, please do not. You know, we have 200 racers. Don't just go in the middle of the trail. Yeah. You know, it's going to fill up. So in the middle of the night and you don't really want to keep moving, you just kind of, I've learned how to move and go at the same time. So you just, you just go. So it's not, it's not as hard as what you think it is. The hardest thing was move when and I put, go. So we're not talking about a catheter and it's coming out the leg. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've actually perfected and I don't mean to brag on radio, but I've perfected, uh, I did a 730 pace while, while using the restroom recently, and that was uh, I was that's pretty impressive. I was pretty impressed with myself that at is, that point. Yeah, so I'm not, that's crazy. Yeah, and so it's you, you learn that's a little different in seven thirty pace for me is a dead sprint. Yeah, well, so and I and I used the restroom while I was doing that, so I was and not got you know not on your leg, not on my leg. I mean, I mean, Colleen <laughs> is a whistle, so I was I, just pretty, enormous. It's like I'll this rub, long. It's got a, <laughs> I'll rub a sub eight minute mile, and then I'm like. I'm like, my heart rate's like 120 and I'm just about to die. So the last four miles of this race, um, I was trying to catch, she was in third place at that time. So there's a four mile stretch. You turn left and there's a four mile stretch and you can see all the way down. So I knew I needed to catch her. I, I, I didn't care who it was. I didn't care her or whatever. I wanted to catch that blinky that I'd been chasing for 16 miles. So I turned the corner. And you finally get there and you go, damn it, it was a lady. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of sucked. <laughs> I was kind of hoping it was, count. Yeah, I was kind of hoping it was one of the guys. But so I've been chasing this blinky for 16 miles. I turned the corner. I had the guy that I had passed um, kind of closing in on me. So I turned and just took off. And I'm doing, I think the Henry said 6.7 miles an hour. So right at a nine minute pace, pulling a 40 pound sled in the snow after 75 miles. And like, it was one of those moments where I'm like, man, I'm, this is okay. You know, and my wife told me when I got back that I had hit 6.7 miles an hour on the, on the inReach. And I was like, I was moving yeah. for, for what I was doing. I was moving. Yeah. I, I knew at that point I, I, I was checking, I checked the inReach before I went to bed and you're, you're, I was like, he's moving. And I checked like three in a row and it's dead. And then I looked at the like right before and like, he's like, he's almost done. I check. I'm like, Jeff sped up. I'm like, Jeff's got something left. And I was like, good for Jeff. I'm like, he was probably trying to survive the night. And now it's like, Oh, the sun's up. Let's go. Yeah. It was, it was that four mile and I needed to just get it done. I, I was ready. So. Downshift to pass. Zach. It's yeah, not, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I kept 16 miles change, changing a, or chasing a blinky light would drive me it up the so wall. Well, but it's kind of like you see it getting a little bit closer. Right. It gives you a little bit of a goal. The biggest hers you had a rabbit. Hers didn't seem to be getting closer. I bet, I bet the thing the guys like, behind me was. That's so. the thing. <laughs> if you think about LEDs though, LEDs are like they're just like a ball of light. Yeah. And it probably if you could see it from 16 miles, it still could only be like this big of a ball of light. So it's not going to get any bigger. And it's like man, I can only imagine just seeing the light, though, because that's one thing you do in your run is you try to, if you're racing, you're trying to pick off the next person. Right. Because it gives you little goals to hit the next. And it's like, you know, nothing personal against the other person, whatever, but you're just like, if I can just catch this person, then that's a goal. Especially if you're going 80 miles and the next thing is 20 miles away. You need something. Well, when I left the the Bobcat snowmobile, I was, so I went into that snowmobile uh, club in fourth place. When I left, I was in sixth so I, you know, go to win. I don't want to be in sixth place. So I had to pick people off. So as soon as yeah. I left there with coffee and soup, I was gone and passed people. And then 
went to the next town and I could see two sets of blinky lights in front of me. And I was like, okay, I need to be there. And that was, that was my focus for that next, it was 20 miles from that, from that, um, that snowmobile club about 16 miles to go. I saw both sets of blinky lights and then I caught him with like 10 miles to go and caught her. I didn't catch her to the last two miles. I mean, and she was, she was super cool. Um, I was going to say, did she say something when you, you know, she was, she's end? a, I, I had shared some miles with her earlier and she's just a superhuman. I mean, when I passed her, I, I, you know, I wanted to tell her, Hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to finish. And she's like, go get it. And gave me a fist bump and yep. just told me to go. So, awesome. um, it was really cool. And that's the community. I mean, it's just like, it's so tight that they, it doesn't even matter. You know, she was first female, whether, you know, whether she was third overall or fourth overall. So it didn't matter to her that much. Right. Did, um, I kept, do you know who David Goggins is? I do. I do. Uh, so he is the reason I first heard about ultra marathons uh-huh. and I kept saying it was the Moab 100, right. but it was, the, it's actually called the Moab 240. The 240. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, those 200 mile races are, are different leagues. I remember the reason that I ever heard about an ultra marathon and him talking about it was because I saw a video of his feet afterwards <laughs> right. and it was like, made me gag. Yeah, so my feet. So that, yeah, that was what I was going to ask you about. We don't need you to go full Aaron Rodgers. Like, I want to know how your feet are with the snow like that. So like, I didn't have any moisture. I didn't have an issue. So even two years ago in the rain, I was concerned. Two years ago in the rain, I I did not change socks. I ended up changing socks at this race. I did not change socks. I used Moreno wool socks, um, and I I have Gore-Tex mid high shoes that I wear. Oh, and okay. twenty hours of rain. The guy next to me, when we got to the finish line, he took his shoes and socks off and I saw his and they were hamburger. And yeah. I, I looked at my wife and I said, I don't even want to take mine off. And I took them off and they were perfect. And this is the wow. same, this race was the same way. When I did change socks at mile 60, my toes were a little purple. Um, I think I had my, uh, shoes tied a little too tight for that, for that section. Um, so they were a little, you know, discolored at that point, but I changed socks. They were cold. I changed socks, put on two pair of socks at that point and went on. But I, I mean, no feet issues. You're no. running in shoes, not boots. Yeah. Uh, they're mid high. They're a Hoka brand, uh, Gore-Tec trail shoes is what they, what they are. So they're not boots. They're, they are running shoes. Um, but I think I've seen pictures of those. Yeah. So, so, um, they're being the Gore-Tec, they're a little, yeah, the Gore-Tec is a little more closed toe. There's not as much mesh. So I stay a little, I stay warmer in those. I, I, it's what I used two years ago and it works well. I, I run in the same shoe in a low for trail running. So it's Is there a, a regulation for the amount of time that you have to sleep? Um, like, is there a, like everyone has to break? No, there's no breaks. It's so okay. there was no sleep. There's no, I only sat down for 15 minutes total in that. At two different stops, I sat down for 15 minutes total. You didn't even need to get your sleeping bag out. Yeah, no, there was no sleeping. There was nothing. The only reason they have you bring the sleeping bag is in case of emergency. Okay. So that's the only reason that gear is there is just in case something happens and you have to You, you can't have to make sleep. it any farther. You need something. You, you break your ankle. and Yeah, you, you have to be able to, to stay warm because it's negative 20. I mean, like right. literally, you, you can't stop. I mean, you can't stop and just sit there on the side of the trail and wait for somebody to pick you up because – it may be an hour before somebody gets to you. So you have to right. be able to, you know, stay alive. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. That's the only reason. Now the 160 mile guys, they will bivy. They will sleep. Um, but those are runners. Those are not skiers. They're right. running. Yes, they are running. Miles. Now we use the term running loosely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're doing 15 they're on a, foot. They're on foot. That's mainly what they call them is on foot. So there is the other distance is 160, you know, ski bike and, and on foot. 
um, that guy, the winner, there was only four people that finished that race. So, yep. um, it was, it was kind of nuts. I saw the, the two year ago winner coming in as I was going out. He looked pretty rough and I know he's a tough, he's a tough guy. So, so do they have an uh, even longer course or they go to the end and go back? So, so they start at the, they start at Rice Lake, go to Park Falls and turn around and come, come back. All the way back. Yeah. So it's, it's, God, it's totally different. They, feel like a bum when you only do half of what they do. Um, <laughs> I don't know that that race doing that. I feel that like you've back, done enough, Jeff. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I feel like if I'm gonna do more on a his wife ultra, would agree. Yeah, she would. she's like you can't because I almost switched to the 160 two months ago, and she's like just stay at the 80 and try to win it. She's like she's like please just stay at the 80. Is that what you think you you want to do? Try to win the 80 and then think yeah, about and then maybe going? move on. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll do it. I don't you know I don't know if it's something I'll do every year or not. Um, I think maybe my next goal would be the the Arrowhead 135, which is farther north up in um, uh, International Falls, Minnesota. I well, think. you know, that might, that's a good intermediate, I, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 135, it's still 55 miles more yeah. than what I did, but... It's not double. Right, it's not double. Yeah. So, and it's, you know, it's a little farther north, so it's a little colder, but, you know, whatever. Give that a shot before you... Yeah. And the thing about the 160 here that would suck is that the scenery would just be all the same going back. I think that's the hardest thing that I would process is you literally, I've just seen all this and now I'm going to turn around and come back. Yeah. I mean, out and backs in Newcastle suck. I mean, I can't imagine 160 miles. Out and backs suck. Right. I don't care where it's at. Yeah, out and backs suck. So that's kind of why I don't have the 160 on my radar. Um, But I can't say I'm not going to do it. So uh, one last thing. What was your official time? Uh, 20. 21 hours, 51 minutes. So you improved by yes, an I did, hour, yeah, nearly almost, an hour. Almost an hour, yeah, I did improve. Um, still not as quick as I wanted to be, but uh, the winners were 1917 and 1952 or 1951. Oh, they were right with each other. Yeah, they were right there, and they were they were both strong. They were both great guys and both really strong. Um, Is it, Would there be a benefit of like, um, like doing squats and calf raises and yeah, would, would you like Dakota to train you? For yeah, it, we, yeah, would, I would like a personal trainer. Well, here's a the, no. The only reason I say that is because, like, you think of if you think of a bodybuilder, mm-hmm. then you think of like the only cardio they do is taking walks and going on a bike ride, right? And you don't think of runners lifting weights, right? Right. So my, I'm wondering if like for these long for the long races, if having really strong quads and calves is going to be a benefit. It is. And that's, I mean, I don't lift, but I mean, I do feel like I have decently sized calves and quads for, you know what I mean? I kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) and a lot of these guys that train with their sled, they train with their sled. They pull a tire, they train with their sled. I didn't have the luxury to pull my sled. It was 60 degrees here before. Yeah. I didn't have the luxury to pull my sled and I didn't, I, I got a train. harness. We can strap you to a car. Yeah. See, I mean, we could, we could do that kind Get of your thing. radio flyer with some brakes on yeah. it. And I, I thought about putting wheels on my sled and just going to the greenway and trying it, but I just never got to that. I figured I, you know, I didn't pull it last year. I, there's probably some benefit to it. A lot of those guys are fast walkers and they've learned to walk fast with their sled where I wasn't as fast. I did more running. You know, I knew I was competent in my running. So, what is your rig to get the sled? Hooked so, up? I have a. I mean, it's really pretty simple. I have a. I think it's an LL Bean hip pack, fanny pack, whatever you want to call it. And my wife actually just sewed loops on the side of it, and then I have paracord that runs to the um, to the sled itself. So, six feet pair, six feet of paracord with carabiners on it. So, I have a carabiner at each end, 
And then I use some PVC pipe um, to kind of keep the sled from twisting up. Yeah, getting close to me. So okay. a lot of people run without the PVC pipe on the on the paracord. Um, it's a risky business. Yeah. So I, I it, the winners didn't have theirs. They had shorter cords than I did. But there's a lot of people that do have it. So I, it's what I've ran for two years. It works for me. So. so it w- is that like standard with the sled? Is that it's all that weight is around the waist, or is there? I would think that like it, there would be a benefit to having a weight distribution up the shoulders. I, I think they do sell some shoulder strap stuff, but if you look on most of there's actually companies out there that sell stuff. Most of it is hip related, so most of it really? is low, low in the hip. Mine comes a little farther in the front and maybe is a little higher than some of the you know the store bought stuff. Okay, um, but I did it myself. My, my wife's my wife sewed the loops on for me so i wonder if like the thought would be that like your posture changing i think that's what it is and causing pressure on the the lower back maybe it doesn't it you know with the lower it doesn't really change my gait any you know it doesn't change how i run where i feel like if it was up higher it would yeah it might so you know it's worked for me and that's kind of what i studied before i did it two years ago was what everybody else was using so Hmm. well very good well, we'll transition into our uh, final thoughts segment of the program, where everybody gets a chance to clean stuff up. Mason, are you uh, are you awake over there? Are you watching the uh, the basketball wrap up? <laughs> he's got nothing. He's he's gone into full Chris Guffey producer mode over there, and uh, he's he's checked out. Zach, what do we uh, what do you got for me? And nothing. Yeah, stay warm out there. It's this way. I felt bad today because I was like, I did not want to run today. I'm like, man, it's like 17 degrees. I'm like, I can't complain in the running group though. Jeff just did 80 miles when it was 20 <laughs> degrees below. I'm like, he's ruined this for the rest of the winter, at least until it's a distant memory of us complaining about it. But I've got nothing else. I, I do have something. I'm excited to enter the workforce again um, starting Monday, um, I suppose, after a three-week uh, sabbatical. sabbatical against working. Retirement. So... I, I it was an awesome three weeks. Wouldn't um, change anything about it. Slept till about <laughs> three every day. It's been great. So you uh, you got to meet Doug Bowles over the weekend. Yep. Yeah. Sunday, the, at the president Bulls of the game. Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah. Uh, we went on the field after the game, and he just so happened to be in my path, so I stopped him and talked to him. Zach wants to know if you got an update on infield camping for yeah. the music. Well, he the, actually, uh, he actually gave me sweet tickets for the 500. <laughs> and so I'll be looking at you guys um, dying from a heat stroke or whatever you guys do. I'll, I'll, I'll be, be down on pit road before the race, man. I'll be in my suite, you know. I get too hot, I'll just go back to my camper. And then he invited me over for dinner with him and his wife uh, next weekend. So I'll be over there. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I have one more question, actually. Yes, sir. And I, I think that this would be interesting. I didn't realize this was going to be so much fun for Dakota. Um, Dakota's been suffering for months. Your, Finally. Yeah. We're going to become friends on Facebook now. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with that. Your diet. Yes. Like, does... Did How many you, beavers did you eat? Yeah. Did you change it at all uh, leading up to it? Um, so, no. And, and my diet is not like one that any runner would probably go after when i tell people what i eat i mean because everybody thinks that you know i'm healthy and eat super clean and all that. i mean i literally eat pop tarts for breakfast every day um, you had oreos on the trail i had oreos on the trail i mean i really i mean not that pop tarts are super unhealthy but 
I literally do not eat that well at all. If you're uh, if you're having eighty mile weeks, right, you've got to eat some high calorie dense. And that's foods. the that's the biggest. And what I've learned, so in my ten years of running, so so when I first started running, I didn't run in high school, none of that. So in my ten years of running, I learned in. And like in the beginning, I was like, I tried to eat super clean and be healthy and all that. And I learned that I had more energy on pizza and hamburger weeks than I did on, you know, other weeks. And I understand that, you know, calories are calories, but I learned for me, my metabolism's fast, that it's, it's easier for me to eat somewhat junk food. Now You're powered I, by yeah. bar food. Yeah. I mean, honest, I mean, to an extent, yes. I mean, I You're eat. You're built to go up there with the Wisconsin boys I, and, I, you know, I, have, I, some, I, yeah. have some spotted cow and this then go out and run 80 miles. Yeah. I, I mean, run, I, I run with these two guys <laughs> and both of them are like, man, I'm trying to gain weight. I'm like, kiss my Yeah. That's, guys. I mean, I honestly try to gain weight. I mean, my normal, you know, if I get down below 150 in training, then I got to try to get back up. You know, my ideal weight for me is like 152 to 155 um so that's where i feel the best i mean weight doesn't i'm not i don't perpetuate anybody looking at the scale that much that's why you have the extra beard weight yes so that's that's a pound right there it's a pound right there so rich piano always said that everyone wants to have big muscles but no one wants to eat until they almost throw up yeah (laughs) it's the truth i mean i I remember setting down one night training for a marathon that i had like a four thousand calorie meal i mean it's just yeah, you know, people don't do that in three hey, days. A lot of did times. Did your watch tell you how many calories you burn? I don't. Uh, yes, it does tell me how many I burn. I don't know what it said. Look, because I had to run up. Yeah, and watch. and it did. I did kind of screw up a little bit on my watch. I set it on a different setting. Eight thousand eighty-one calories. I was going to guess nine thousand calories. Yeah, and it's I usually about like a hundred to one hundred twenty-five. And if you're a lean runner, it's down to around a hundred per mile. So yeah, and I yeah. didn't replace that many. I mean, I ate a fair amount of food, but I didn't replace that. You know, but then the next day I ate nonstop. Uh, I mean, I ate nonstop, <laughs> and that's I've eaten nonstop since. Cheese then. curds. Your yeah. wife, being a physical therapist, has to help the after day uh, recovery. It I'll does. Be honest though, that's a gamble. It is because <laughs> I, I, I'm, be real I'm with Zach 100. percent Because um, I don't even lie. His wife, I'm scared of her. <laughs> I've been scared of her my whole life. I've known well, his I wife. I just got a text from my wife during the podcast that said. Um, D. Watterson was a PT uh, at her place of employment mm-hmm. when I shadowed during high school, and she was the only one there that I actually liked being with. Sweet, yes. <laughs> so, so I've I've known his wife since like high school, and I met Jeff. I think his first five k. Yes, and um, I when I had back surgery, she was my PT, and she like when I would go in there, she's like, oh, you're like. I was 20 at the time. She's like, I can have fun with you. So she just get a ball out, like the book of stability ball exercises. She's like, I've never seen my do this, do this, do this. And she's like, there's a sick part of her brain that likes to like push people. And so you have to watch what you that's tell a, her because yeah. if you give her too much information, like if like, if, Oh, my Achilles hurts. She gets out a butter knife. You don't want to know what deal do with a butter knife. It's scary. So I've been like, there. So like, Jeff, like <laughs> it hurts. So like we've been running together, and Jeff's like, "Yeah, my ankle hurts." Like, but don't say anything, man. He's like, "If D finds out, I'm in trouble." <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> like, there's. I mean, I'll go two weeks with an injury before I say something to her because I know that she's going to have some. Is voodoo. it that all physical therapists though? It, like, don't they all have the reputation? Yeah, of but just, I just like she doesn't like me. You. I think I don't. I mean, I don't know. She likes to torture me. I don't cross her. Yeah, it's, I just let <laughs> I t- her. I tell her. I told her to her face. I'm like. I, you're on my list of like people I'm scared of, and, and she she enjoys. It. She's like good. She's she's fine with that. She earned her spot. She yeah. earned her spot. So yeah. 
So yeah, so you have to be careful what you tell her. I mean, and I've learned a lot from her. That's my biggest take is I've learned listening to her kind of what I can do. Is she the one that told you not to use the Theragun? No, n- nobody's okay. told me not to use a Theragun. Okay. I, I was worried because I like my Theragun. No, no, no. I think Theraguns are great. <laughs> I think I think Theraguns are great. It's I like, just, is I a don't... physical therapist saying that not to use it? <laughs> no, I, and I don't always follow what she tells me to do, and that's when she kind of gets upset with me when I do say, hey, this hurts. Well, I told you six months ago to be doing this, and I failed to do it, so then she... Not following yeah, your own. Then she gets the butter. Program. Yeah, then she gets the butter knife, and then, then it's back. <laughs> is there anything All we right. need to clean up? That or, or we feel, we covered it. This is our final thoughts. This is where we anything we forgot to promote, anything that we got terribly wrong. Fact correction. Oh, I, I think any, we're any I of think that. We're good. Um, I mean, I guess one little bit of promoting. I, I do have a um, a company that's going to do a short little YouTube video on me about this um, Caterpie's a shoe, shoelace company that not sponsored by any means but um, they kind of took interest in this um, in this when I started using their product and I was very happy with their product and what is it uh, Caterpie C-A-T-E-P Caterpie? It's, like shoe, yeah. it's like a shoelace with that you don't have to tie yeah it's a no tie shoelace um, mm-hmm. I've used them on my last two races I used it on this race and, and you know not you know, not sitting here trying to promote them, but they are going to do us a, a small piece, like a project that she's working on. Promote right now. away, brother. We don't yeah, care. it's uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, the the girl that's doing it is is talking maybe a you know nine or ten minute YouTube video, kind of just documenting what I've done in the last month. So anybody Listen, that's that's interested I, can. I check think into you that. go full Forrest Gump and explain to everybody you finished third place and got the bronze medal because of your Caterpie shoelace. Because exactly, yeah, just right. go right there. It's, it's, it the, was it's all ping pong championship. Like, lean, lean your puck up against your shoe <laughs> with the laces directly and like put the camera down there. Well, there be there was. Some I wouldn't have survived done. Wisconsin without my, <laughs> without Caterpie. my Caterpie. Yeah, um, but yeah. So anybody that you know that's curious. Hopefully, within the next two or three weeks, she said she should have something. Because I've been filming a lot of stuff in the last month, which is very rare for me. It's not something I normally do is film myself running. So You didn't do this with a GoPro and a selfie stick running for 80 miles? No, but my, but my daughter, my 15-year-old, held the GoPro every time she saw me. So there's been a lot of GoPro footage that we've you imagine, though, trying to tie your shoes when it's 20 degrees below zero? Yeah, I mean, I mean honestly, that's I legit. thought about like, it. That's like it, a it thing. Is I wouldn't want to do that. I could adjust my shoestrings. You know, here again, not trying to go off on a rant about the the company, but I could adjust my shoestrings with a tug, and it's they have little bumps on them. So there's a couple times I'd take my glove off, I'd adjust the tightness on my shoestring just by tugging, and then it would stay in place. So it was really nice in the in the cold temps that it could take. It kept you from losing a toe? It did. It kept me from losing a toe. So I do, I'll, I'll do for my I'll have two questions. How long was it before you knew who you were? Um, this race was actually pretty good. It was pretty good. Yeah, because okay, Jeff, I was at Jeff's one of Jeff's first marathons. He stopped eating, and he didn't know who he was at the end. He didn't know who his wife was. I his right wife walked her. by him and didn't know who she was. I walked right past her, looked you, in the eye, and thought, I know that I mean, and, and Dakota would understand that, like, bodybuilders, if your body weight goes low enough and your blood sugar gets low enough, your brain stops functioning. Jeff got, Jeff's been there. Yeah. And then how long were you sore? So I am still a bit sore. Like, my left calf is still a bit sore. But, like, walking funny. See, we got home monday evening and i struggled walking up and down the steps so i'd been done for over you know 36 hours or so i'd been done and i struggled walking up and down our steps at home um i didn't go back to work till wednesday and tuesday i didn't do anything at the house i mean i laid around so i still have some soreness in my left calf i'm still a little tingling in my left toes um so and it's been it's been a while so i'm still what about your nipples Uh, my nipples did good so um really yeah again 
only the this is the first time well, in the history I mean, it's of a big, the show. It's a big concern I that mean, Dakota's been able to ask this question. They're again not dropping a product, but I use this stuff called Vanna Cream from Wisconsin that they gave us a free product of two, free sample of two years ago, and I used it in zero chafing. I mean anywhere wow i, mean, I, mean, I don't know where I don't, how deep you want to ask about that's but. a legit question i have a shirt that's got permanent blood stains on it from a marathon yeah so See, i that's why i asked you yeah i do i don't know when the last time i raced that shirt in like five years but yeah if i look at the shirts there's two there's blood still in the shirt yeah i, I was impressed with this product it's actually just a, a heavy lotion that they use but it's from wisconsin area and they gave us a free sample last last time yeah, I mean it's it's great stuff. I used it. I actually bought a big tube of it that I use for running, and it's no zero chafing. So, I mean, after eighty miles in the cold, I was pretty happy. Well, with that. Oh. interesting. Any final thoughts from you, D squared? Um, I had I had some. Oh, um, I wanted to say that the Beehive Body Company. I just now finished up with the first bar that she gave me, so it lasted a good while for a bar that size for sure. <laughs> Um, and the scents are really good. I like her soap. What flavor so, did you get on this last one? I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to ask her. Uh, right now, now, I'm on the Maverick, which is what Zach got me for Christmas. Uh, but before that was the what the Rip. Yeah, I had. I think I don't know if she's still doing, but Leonidas or uh, she stopped doing that one. I think I'm going to get on her about oh, that. Yeah, that, that was that was, that was uh, a good one. If you want to feel like a man, she's got good was, stuff. Yeah, like she I, does. The Rip is impressed. probably pretty close, really, because it's Rip from from Yellowstone. That's like her inspiration uh, on it. I see. Yeah, she makes good stuff. I wanted to give her a shout-out. She gave me those two bars of soap that I got from her that I asked her for. I asked her to bring me two bars of soap, and then she's like, no, you can have them for free. So I wanted to give her a shout-out on the show and make sure that everyone knew uh, that she made good stuff. And then also my wife, Audrey, she's just launched a website for uh, the cups that she makes. So check that out, the thedaintydaisytumblers.com. We've been following the Brandon Brown story now. For This is the third week in a row we've had to talk about Brandon Brown, the, uh, the NASCAR driver, the Xfinity Bush Grand National winner from, uh, from Talladega last fall. Uh, he won the race, and then the Joe Biden, you know, you know, F Joe Biden, which became Let's Go Brandon, which became the whole thing. Three weeks ago on the show, we're like, he wrote this open letter saying this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. The next week, we do the show, and it's now there's a, there's a cryptocurrency in his name, and he's sponsored by it. And now this week, the story has advanced once again, Zach, and NASCAR says, no, no, your sponsor is invalid, unacceptable. We can't have it on the car. The team is pissed off and basically released a statement saying, how can they be mad? How can they not see it coming? They claim that they got, they have an an emailed approval from somebody in NASCAR, but somebody said that it's probably, what I'd heard was, is that it was not somebody who had the authority to tell them okay. And it might've been somebody who just said the livery looks okay. Like the actual paint job looks okay. But Oh yeah, and not the actual spot. Like they break those two things into two separate things: yeah. is who's your sponsor, how's the car appear, and the livery looked. There was nothing about the livery. It was red, white, and blue, patriotic, whatever. But then, yeah, NASCAR, they don't want to touch any of that stuff. So, so the uh, the word is going to come out in the next couple of weeks that NASCAR is going to completely ban political sponsors entirely. Over done. They'll be probably not a it. bad idea. Is it? Well, there's no downside for them. No, there's zero as long downside as there's enough them. money in the sport. My, my statement uh, last week was, well, this is it gets a car on the track. They're probably going to be gone after four races because yeah. they're not going to yeah. pay the bills and it's going to fail. But it at least they, they race for a little while. NASCAR doesn't care. Is it even and a, they don't care if this team dies or not. <laughs> no, these kind of teams are going to pull those kind of sponsors aren't the kind of teams that they're worried about. Like Joe Gibbs isn't going to be trying to get a political sponsor 
and so it's it's going to be some fringe team trying to get in. So no, da- there's no downside for NASCAR. Zero. So that's the end of that. I, I just I felt like we need to put a uh, little bow tie on that uh, on that. And uh, Matt DiBenedetto, who embraced the uh, the Let's Go Brandon lifestyle, has gone from driving the 21 Wood Brothers slash Penske Ford in the Cup Series to he's going to be driving a NASCAR truck for a roofing company this year. So this is, uh, I think everybody's learning their lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and just stay the hell out of it. You want, you want to, if you're a team, you want to have, you want to be successful enough so that everybody can cheer for you and the politics don't help. Yeah. So, Motorsports and politics don't mix well. And we're learning, I think we're learning that now. Michael Jordan had it right in the nineties when he said Republicans buy shoes too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. We'll be back uh, Thursday of next week, and uh, stay safe. It's going to be uh, it's going to be like Jeff Waterson cold out there, so be careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>